0: Now for something special. The unit is self-contained with its own saddler, farrier, wheelwright, and so on. It's a rigorous training, dished on who know all there is to know about horses, and it brings results. We take you behind the scenes now to show just some of the interesting aspects of this training.
1: Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein, the number one podcast to create sounder horses from the ground up. Mike Stein is a registered journeyman farrier with an APF1 accreditation. On this week's show, joining us in the studio, Dr. Jared Pullen from the Doc Reddins. Is that where he's from? I think probably
0: the first time I met Jared was at
1: Doc's. Okay, we're going to talk to him. He is a doctor of veterinary medicine, and he's going to talk about how he works side-by-side with Doc Redden and how he got into the horse business and being a doctor of veterinary medicine uh, Yes, and so much more. More so, and over to my far right inside is Mike Stein. How are you? I'm doing good, Travis. How are you? Well, I'm doing okay. There's a huge storm that came through yesterday. Right? And, Mike, you live probably, what, like five, six miles down the road from me? Yes. So, you physically got no Nothing. rain? Nothing. Nothing.
0: Didn't even nothing.
1: I've got two trees that have been knocked down out there that are probably a, a good you know twelve inches in diameter. Yep. They've been knocked down, split in half. My fence that I'm putting up now, the dirt around it has gotten so wet and soggy because I haven't finished the complete loop of the fence, so there's nothing for the fence rail to lean on, so it's laying on the ground. Well, it's got something <laughs> to lean on the ground. <laughs> I know, but that, that doesn't keep the horses out. So I got to go out there and cut the tree and chop the tree up and fix all that. And I got to. And fix- now you got this one. Winter's firewood. Oh, yeah. Now I do have this winter's firewood, plus all the other branches and stuff that's going on. And speaking of what's going on, Micah, are you caught up from your little vacation trip out to Kentucky seeing Doc redden No, no, I'm not. And <laughs> so you gotta work double time now?
0: Well, I kind kinda of by the time I get back, you kinda of gotta go through your whole rotation of clients and then Well, I'm gonna be gone again in a couple of weeks back to Kentucky, and then I'll have to start all over again, right?
1: You know, when they say oh, I gotta take a vacation, but you you're afraid to take a vacation because someone when in your position you don't have anyone to fill your shoes Ha! <laughs> get it to fair never mind so yeah. you don't have anyone to fill your shoes do you kind of do you plan for that in your trimmings and stuff like if you have to take a week off or, or- i try
0: to compress stuff together you know, of course you're working around you know with the event horses the timing on when they're when they've got to be somewhere because you don't want to You don't want to do their feet directly before an event, but you want it fresh enough that everything's good and clean and and goes well, right? Yeah, and what happens like if... There's always something to shuffle around.
1: So what happens with you in in your case, because you cover a lot of grounds around here. Mm -hmm. Let's say you go on vacation or you go off, off like you're doing your clinics and stuff, you're furthering education. Right. What happens if one of, let's say my horse, Diego... Something happens to Diego and Diego's got shoes and stuff on and you're out of town, how do we how do I, being a horse owner, horse payer for her <laughs> yes and my wife being the owner, yes, how do we how do we handle that? How do you handle that situation if you know something happens, a shoe flies off, or something else happens? To the extreme or well, something.
0: Well, we can put you on video camera, and you can go over there with a box of nails and nail it up. And I'll <laughs> tell you, hit that nail and don't hit your thumb and all that kind of stuff. My
1: fingers are end up uh, like yours.
0: Hopefully nothing happens. Mm-hmm. It's usually, if we plan well enough, it's usually not that much of a a big deal. Um, There are places where I do have some backup. There are places that I work where, because of distance, because of whatever, somebody else may be doing part of the farm so that they can handle shoes being off. Normally, not much of a problem, and you just have to deal with it and work around it and keep
1: going. Well, one of the things you said, when you first started this show about two years ago, you said it's always a good idea for either the trainer or the horse owner to have the basic skills as far as putting a shoe on
0: well it was like let's see when i was in uh cincinnati i had a shoe spun off and uh brett nailed it on now brett's dressage trainer right
1: yeah he's our dressage trainer that's brett ingram
0: yeah brett thought he was going to be a farrier at one time until he ripped a finger down a, a nail down his finger and he squealed and no nope. he didn't want to do that but <laughs> but he does have the skills to to straighten out a shoe and get it back on
1: now if you can find the shoe let's say like for example this rainstorm came through and and you spare know my tires spare tires should i buy them or do you hand them out not hand them out but i mean you know what i mean well you
0: know especially with my eventers that are on the road a lot when as we're rotating shoes through we keep a good set of shoes if i change something down the road well we, maybe we'll run it once or twice and they give that shoe and then we go go to something else and then they have a set that they can carry on the road with them if they got some odd pad build or something like that i can i can put that together and then they have an extra and somebody if they if you know, if it's off on cross-country course in the mud hole they've got something they can pull from to do it because you can't you can't stock and do everything on a rig that is somebody has dreamed up and made out there
1: so let's say for example and this is worst case scenario and i'm knocking on wood because this horse costs you know two million dollars diego let's say he gets a fly spooks him and he runs and he gets his hoof caught in the fence and gets a you've seen it before many times where it's got a little gash in the side of the foot and the shoe comes off. Mm -hmm. is that something i'm looking towards the vet to do And can the vet apply, reapply that shoe if it's found, or does it need to be reapplied? Most
0: vets are not going to reapply shoe. Now, if you call our friend Jared, Jared... That we're getting ready to speak with, Jarrett could reapply shoe and say, "Boy, look what kind of mess he made! I'm gonna fix this, right? Because he's a podiatrist.
1: Does he double double pay for that? You know, <laughs> double and triple Here, probably. Here's my know? here's my uh, my doctor of veterinary medicine bill, and here's my podiatry right. farrier bill. Well, I like this one. This one's lighter. This one's <laughs> this one's heavier. Now,
0: you probably get a combination bill, <laughs> right? But uh, there are some people that can stick some shoes on. Some of the other farriers will step in and help out. You know, there's some of of the places I work that have multiple farriers in there, and there's a reason we do it that way because of me being gone for different events, for different clinics that I'm going to or maybe doing myself.
1: And one of the things that I know that you've done, and you're really, really good at doing this, is you let your customers know. You let the horse owners know. You let the trainers know, hey, I will be here this week. Let me know if I need to do anything before. So I start planning around that several months out. Yeah, it's not like just uh, I'm going to pack up and, you know, me and the dog are going to go hey, down we're the, yeah no, we're no, going to we go trout fishing or something that kind of irritates your clients <laughs> yes and exactly if
0: you, you plan around it most of the time it's not that big of a deal
1: all right guys stick around we got a lot to talk about and coming up next here in the studio we have a doctor of veterinary medicine dr jared poland so stick around we'll talk to him when we come back you're listening to equine dynamics with mike stein we'll be right
0: back i
2: filled up two shopping carts late last night one was full of fishing gear the other miller light check out lady and said you think you've got enough, and I said, yeah, you're probably right. And fill another two cards am Gonna catch all the fish,
1: or drink all the beer, gonna anchor down. We're staying here. Might take all day, might take all year. Till I catch all the fish, till I drink all the beer. Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. Make sure you follow him over on Facebook. And, Mike, I've seen you. You've updated your Facebook. You've got the logo I of the, the show on there and everything. And over to my far inside is Mike Stein. How are you? I'm doing good, Travis. So I've seen you. Uh, someone's in charge of that. Your your faculty that you've got working out of your office has got the, the Facebook up and running. You're right. posting a lot more articles on there. And don't forget, you can find Mike Stein anytime over at Facebook. That's Equine Dynamics. Mike Stein on Facebook. He had to switch it to a business page because you maxed out your personal page over 5,000 right. locations listeners and stuff over there and they couldn't get any more in there so now we've opened up to the business section and you can get a lot more over there as well yep
0: and trish did the work on changing stuff on the page and uh it's like amy does my website stuff and got a few people doing a few things for me
1: and don't forget for every podcast we do we have a matching video as well and you can see us here in the studio go over to youtube uh you can see me waving to mike mike waving to me uh search equine dynamics over on youtube uh, make sure you like and subscribe over there as well and joining us here in the studio this week is dr jared Pullen, uh doctor of veterinary medicine good morning doctor how
3: are you good morning i'm well thanks for having me
1: do, do you want me to call you doctor do you can i just call you Jared, can we be like on the center of the or Because I know some doctors are real particular. No, I'm a doctor. Easy, settle down guy, you know. <laughs> but I understand. Yeah, because of that, Travis, call me doctor. Okay, I will call you Sir Doctor, actually, no, is what I'm going to call no, you. <laughs> and
3: Jared for a lot longer than I've been doctor.
1: Um, so tell us what your background is as far as what got you into veterinary medicine and the path that led you to Doc Redding's doorstep.
3: I'd say it's got to go way back before vet med. I've been a farrier since 2003, and even the path to that was Kind of convoluted. I, I didn't really want to go to college. I kind of fought it. I was a gearhead. I had cars. I worked on race cars. My I worked at a restoration shop. And then I started dating a girl who was really smart. And so they kind of convinced me I should go to college. I ended up going to college. Then you graduate with a degree in animal science, and that, and back then, probably $2 would buy you a cup of coffee. (laughs) So I started, when I was hanging out at the barn at University of Vermont, I started hanging out with the farriers who would come and go, and it just interested me. I think it was the combination of the mechanic side and the animal side, two different sides of my life that kind of came together. Uh, I graduated early back in, I graduated December of 2002, and kind of floated around my last semester. And then... Because I graduated early, I had a little bit of money left over, and I decided to go to farrier school. Still not intending to be a farrier, just it was something to do after you graduate.
1: Now, is anyone in your family, do you have a background of, like your mom used to ride horses, or your dad had a farm, or you had an uncle that you used to go over on the summer breaks and hang out with him and, and move the horses around? Nothing. Nothing. Oh, jeez.
3: Uh, my family was were non-horse people. I was always that kid from the age of 10 that wanted to ride horses, but we it wasn't really in the budget. And you know, every now and then we'd go on a pony ride or something. But uh, I was that kid, grew up in Connecticut. I wanted to be a cowboy since I was just a, a wee one. And so I remember being uh, mad at my parents that we didn't live in Wyoming, just like going to bed angry. It's hard to find uh, cowboys in Connecticut, right? It is, and they're kind of interesting when you find them. And uh, I start, So I started off at uh, camp riding horses, and then from there I start, I would get on whatever I could. Then I started riding more at University of Vermont started riding with farriers at the towards the end and I, again it was not like a, I was not determined that that was going to be my career it was just something to do now the smart
1: then girlfriend I- that you were dating was she into horses Nope. Oh, okay. Because because that's, I don't want to say that's yeah. what reeled me in or, or got me hooked right. or whatever. My the, wife. The smart girlfriend you were dating. No, Yeah, and I actually married her. Is always been in the horses. And I was like, ah, eh, you know, I knew a little bit about horses. Uh, and she was like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah, horses are like 16, 17 hands. And that was like my in. Oh, you know about hands? Oh, we need to go on, <laughs> more, on more dates. And of course, you know, now I am here fixing on this yeah. 22-acre property, fixing a fence that blew over because of the, the storm that came through, picking up and sawing down trees and stuff, so I didn't know if that led to uh, the path that you led. Making it to Doc Redden's doorstep, how did you get there?
3: So then, fast forward, I was a farrier for quite a while, and uh, I read as much as I could, and of course if you go out to read an article, there's about six different, say you just pick up on Club Feet, you can read about 30 different articles, and they'll tell you complete opposites of what to do. 30 different always, answers, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it runs the entire spectrum. Take the heel down, wedge them up, give them a long toe, pull the toe back. It, it goes across the spectrum. So I always read Dr. Red and stuff, and that was mechanically the stuff that kind of made sense to me. And then I had a case with a particular client that was – we were having a rough go of laminitis – and I kept saying, well, Dr. Redden says this, and Dr. Redden says this, you know, just from what I read. And then all of a sudden they called me one day and said, uh, Jerry, what are you doing on Tuesday? Cause we're flying Dr. Redden up. And, uh, jokingly i said well i have a hair appointment but i guess i can move it around because i mean here he was this was my idol that i've never met and so uh, i picked him up at the airport i had my pickup detailed i you know walked into the airport shook his shook his hand it was it was a big deal for me and he's like come on boy let's just go and uh, so we went and we worked on that case and it was like a dream come true and i started going down there i mean every chance i would get i'd go down there i remember he lost his secretary quit on him like a month or so later and i called him up said well i'm I'm probably better with a computer than you are, and so I came down and just tried to do some computer work for him. So I mean, anything I could do to get it, get in those doors is what I did, and that's.
1: And how long has this relationship been now? I've been
3: hanging out with him for about ten years now.
1: Now you you have your own practice. I, I'm assuming you have your own practice, so you work out of a, a certain facility in Ver, Vermont. I'm sorry, where, where are you located at?
3: Oh my God, you give me I get like the twitches when people ask me where I'm from. With my I have identity crisis here. <laughs> oh <and there>. God, <laughs> it's why I own a house in Vermont. My driver's license says Vermont. I'm there maybe uh, two weeks out of the cycle. This time of year, I span between Vermont, New York, uh, Connecticut, Massachusetts, a lot in the Northeast, and then Kentucky down at Reddins. some, uh, Texas every five or six weeks and maybe even more as I got another business venture down there. But I end up running around a lot on the airplanes and a lot beating the roads. And
1: this is all for, like, the horse community. You're not just going vacation like Mike does all the time or anything
3: like (laughs) that. No, I'm not as wealthy as Mike where you can just go off vacationing. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vacation is somebody's barn and propped up under a horse. When you when you get to fly a lot and they get to upgrade you, people are like, "Oh, wow!" You're like, "No, this is all part of the part that isn't that much fun."
1: So you met Doc Redding for the first time. You've got a relationship with for the last ten years. So I'm assuming that he's leaning on you a lot. He as reaction I'm getting is he's kind of taking you under his wing
3: to some degree. I mean, he, he has a lot of he has a lot of students. Um, I'm fortunate enough to be what I guess I'd refer to as the inner circle. You know, I'm one of the few veterinary farriers that goes there he has a lot of farriers and he has a lot of vets but there's there's a maybe only a handful of straight up farrier vets that that are running around and I can
0: tell you uh first time I rolled in his driveway was 1990 after losing a horse of my own been back and forth and I've had dead spells where I haven't been around but I've worked with him in the field and he thinks my name's Steve it's a little difficult sometimes when you haven't got a vet that's prepared to play the game it's very difficult at times.
1: All right, guys, we're going to take a quick little break. When we come back, we're going to talk more with Dr. Jared about the importance of the relationship between being a veterinarian and your farrier. So stick around. We'll be right back after this. Cut! Hey everybody, it's Travis. And are you ready to take control of your healthcare needs? How many apps do you actually have to download on your phone to manage your healthcare needs? Well, there's a company out there that's produced a new app for you. You can download it right now and it's available in your app store. Search S-N-A-H. This app allows you to book hospital, doctor, dialysis, physical therapist, home health care, caregiver, and other special appointments. You can also schedule non-medical transportation, whether you need a wheelchair-accessible van and other options. You can schedule prescription delivery and pickups and have the ability to track your prescriptions from the pharmacy to your home. Not only that, you can also make co-pays, check prescription status and refills, receive and view test and medical reports, and the best part is there's an e-wallet available for loved ones to add to your medical health care funds. The SNAH app is HIPAA certified and also registered with the NPI. Download the SNAH app today or visit their website for more information. That's SNAH.org, a better way to manage your health care needs. Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. If you'd like to ask him a question, the way you do that is go to equinedynamics.com. The top of the page says contact us. Fill out that little form there, and uh, if you've got a question for Mike, write it in there. And if we read it here on the air or Mike answers you back, uh, we'll send you out a free prize pack, and it'll be some stickers, some magnets. You got anything left over there? Any coasters? I know you got a bunch of drink coasters left over there. I've got some drink coasters. No magnets. No No magnets left? All right, I'll have to to re-up on that. And over to my far-hand side is Mike Stein. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? How are you, Jerry? And
3: don't forget, no, to,
1: never don't forget to follow us over on YouTube as well. You can see us, all the visuals that happen here in the studio. Uh, go to YouTube, search Equine Dynamics Mike Stein. Make sure you like and subscribe over there. And also, uh, you can see here joining us in the studio, Sir, Dr. Jared Pullen, doctor of veterinary medicine. How are you? I'm well. We were talking during the break, the importance of getting to know your veterinarian and getting to know your farrier and the way these two have to sort of coexist together. I mean, how can you stress this enough? If you stress it at all, you know, the relationship between these two people and why is it more important for the farrier and not, let's say, like the chiropractor that comes out or the massage therapist that comes out? Because I know, believe me, I've got a list of people a mile long that come out here and look at our horses. I've got Mike, I've got a chiropractor, I've got a um, massage, uh, electrolysis. Thing I don't know if it's all a gimmick, zapper. zapper I don't know if it's all a gimmick, but it, it's what happens. What's what's important for you as far as being a, a vet? Who's your biggest relationship with?
3: Oh, I mean that's a huge loaded question, and I can tell you for a couple different reasons. Um, you know, I think as I was a farrier for so many years, and like Mike was starting to talk about just before the break was, if you don't have a vet that's gonna be that's gonna roll right with you and be with you and have the um, a similar hoof sense. It's really difficult because no matter how much CE... Any farrier goes through. Some vets don't get nearly that much.
1: Now, when you Some say, vets, c- hold on, hold on, you can't skip over CE because a lot of a lot of our uh, listening audience is beginners and professionals. So you're you're talking uh, continuing. near band to extension
3: process. Is that what it is? No, <laughs> yeah, it could be. Yeah, See? CE distance. I Absolutely. don't know. I
1: don't know.
3: It's con- I know. Now we're just we're just messing with Travis. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: think I think I'm going to be the minority in this. You two are ganging up on a me. Continue for credit. All right, gotcha.
3: Continue ed. not whether it's for credit or not i don't care whether it you doesn't matter yeah or whether you want you if know, you're not taking school, something home with you
0: it's no good right
3: right you know there's there's a lot of vet schools where you have maybe two lectures of anything to do with the foot now you're kicking out a graduate who knows so little but they're going to talk to then mike who's got what seventy years of of farrier? Yeah, you?
0: yeah, yeah. Sure, thank you. <laughs> you know,
3: Thirty, forty years with some of these veteran farriers that are that know quite a bit and have gotten a lot of their own CE. That's when you know you when you hit that point when you when you realize how much more there is.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Not to interrupt you, but I know that sometimes just
1: talking and getting the feel. We've had other farriers and stuff here on the program and stuff, and and I've met farriers, you know, hanging out with Mike and doing events and whatnot. There, sometimes you come across farriers that have this. for lack of a better term a chip on their shoulder like you can't tell you can't tell me i've been doing this for x amount of years they think their rule their word is rule type deal do you have to have that kind of a a little bit of that attitude when you're when you're a farrier or should you just drop that and just because i know mike does not at all i mean mike he'll 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 be the first one to say well maybe i was wrong at saying that or doing that
3: sure i don't i don't think there's any good reason to have that i'm sure it's it's either early childhood trauma or it's you've run into a case with a vet that rubbed you the wrong way and you got that chip on your shoulder. I don't think it's going to benefit you or the horse or the client, any. I think it's better to, no matter what, be open. You know, question yourself. I think it's fine. And that's when you get into the, do you question the other party, whether it's the vet or the farrier? do you inquire? You know, if you have an honest inquiry to say, you know, why do you see it that way? How do we, how do we go about it?
0: Right. You know, and every horse we deal with is going to react a little different. Sometimes you have to back up and punt and change things, and it's that really crazy mess of a horse that's going to be the one that that teaches you some new trick trying to figure them out.
3: If if you're willing to learn it, but if you're closed-minded and say, this is the way it's got to be, I don't care, then no one's going to win. I mean, I remember, I think it was the first year I was with uh, Dr. Redden, and he, he said, and it stuck with me, he says, uh, ego kills more horses than colic or laminitis ever will. I think he's re- probably right about that. That's, I, that is that is a very, so. very
1: true statement. I was just going to say, how do you deal with, when you come across a veterinarian, when you're traveling, you know, through the Northeast and stuff, and you're traveling, you meet a, a farrier, and you get this, like, kind of pushback on him a little bit. I mean, how do you, I mean, you got to have some kind of bedside manners, for lack of sure. a better term.
3: I mean, for one, I, uh, since I was a, am still a farrier, I still do some quite regular shoes. You know, I can relate to him on that side. I also will push, you know, chances are if, they're, uh, if they can hand make shoes, you know, their skill set is above mine. And as long as, I, as long as you weigh and find everyone's skill set and say, here's what I'm good at, I can take, I hope, phenomenal x-rays and try to help you out. You know, I'm here for you. And then if we disagree on something, let's exactly figure out the point we disagree on. Where do we, where is that point of divergence rather than I'm the vet and you're the farrier and one of us has to listen to the other forcefully. How many,
1: how many farriers do you deal with on a, let's say a monthly basis?
3: You know, not as many as if I maybe was a more typical veterinarian. So if you think about it, I think when I was a farrier who decided to go to vet school and then got into vet school, I had this romantic idea that I was going to bring these two parties together and I was going to be this great liaison. (laughs) And I think a couple things I found, I remember I was at one barn talking to the trainer and I was all excited because I got into vet school. And she goes, and just smiling as she could, she goes, Oh my God, Jared, that's fantastic. You're going to piss the farriers and the vets off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, it, it hit me like a rock. I was like, huh, she might be right. Now it just kind of changed that little romantic idea I had. And also people will ask me to weigh in on the vet farrier relationship. And I, and obviously cause I'm a vet and a farrier and typically I honestly uh, probably identify more of the farriers just cause I got 20 years of that. But, uh, I also say, I don't know if I'm the best person to weigh in on that because I got so frustrated with the vet fair relationship. I said, screw y'all. I'm going to go into a quarter million dollars worth of debt to bypass it. (laughs) Sure. Why not? Some of it, you know, they say, why do you go into vet school? And obviously there's a ton of reasons, but some of it is just frustration in the industry and say, I'm going to take out the middleman. But a lot of it is to try to bring the, the two parties together. And I... You know, we go back on the ego thing. I think a lot of it comes from insecurity when we get somebody with a chip on their shoulder or a vet who doesn't want to listen or a fairy who doesn't want to listen. It's on both sides. And sometimes it just takes the ability to step back and be open and say, I could learn something here.
1: You know, it's, it's one of those things, it, it's almost, it's a craft. A craft as old as time. I mean, they've come across horseshoes, you know, way before uh, oh, yeah. people were here on the, in the United States. And it's just one of those where everything's been passed on, the, you know, father to son and son to father and son to daughter and father the you know, daughter and all that. And it's just one of those crafts where there hasn't been a whole lot of technology, you know, advancement other than like the last 30 years. You know, you got your computers, you can all, do all this more analysis and stuff but you're looking at, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years and now trying to change everything on a turn of a dime. And a lot of people get a lot of, in my opinion, get a lot of, I see pushback sometimes.
3: Absolutely. I mean, the, the vet med industry is based on peer, peer-reviewed literature and evidence-based medicine. So we have, you know, when when we're looking at what medication to use, we can look up a paper that says this this will use due to these statistics. In the farrier world, it's only been in the past Five years, maybe ten. If you look back, that we're starting to push and say we need some evidence-based medicine. We need to bring our some level of professional proof to say here's why we're doing this method of shoeing versus this method of shoeing. And that's that's been a good push more recently, and uh, I think it's important that way we can stand on equal platforms.
0: There was a discussion. You know, you know Dick Mansman, correct? Oh yeah. Yeah, I had a discussion back early two thousands. I was doing some work out of his clinic. He said, "Well, how are you operating?" If you, I said, "You know, winging a prayer." some days but i said you kind of use the duck method i was like "Wait, well, what do you mean he said if it walks like a duck talks like a duck it yeah. looks like a duck it must be a duck so you treat it like a duck for and sure. uh, I mean, he... you know a lot of times i'm running without x-rays and without diagnostics and without you know x-rays that it's like they're they're good for the art galleries like abstract art you know
3: yep. it's a two-dimensional black and white picture and so you can you can Interpret it however you want often.
1: And that's one of the good things about you teaming up with a, a veteran such as Doc Redden because he's kind of open minded as far as getting, you know, hey, this is what's coming on new. This is what, you know, we're incorporating now. And those annual, is it once a year, Mike, that he has that thing? Is it? Well, he
0: does a couple of years okay. as we're speaking and he does a number of other talks around the country and around the world. I don't think he goes international as much as he used to anymore.
1: And the reason why we keep bringing up Doc Redden, you're like, oh, well, get Doc Redden on the show. Believe me, <laughs> if he would, he could. Uh, and so we've got his second man, you know, in the inner circle here, which is Dr. Jared Pullen, joining us. So we're kind of bringing Doc Redden into the same conversation via Jared. <laughs> I don't
3: know if I, I, don't know if we could say the second in command, but certainly I, I hold him pretty highly in my life, and hopefully sure. he does the same. Sure. All
1: right, guys, we're going to take a quick little break and come back and continue on with Dr. Jared Pullen. You're listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He'll be right back.
2: Son, we're gonna go out tonight Dance, 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 dance all night long. I'm a hard-working man, I'm a son of a gun I've been working all week. Sun. The woods in the kitchen and the cows in the barn are all cleaned up and my chores are all done Take my hand and come along Let's go out and have some fun Come on darling, put a pretty dress on We're gonna go out tonight Dance, dance, dance Dance, dance, dance Dance, dance, dance all night long Welcome back to Equine
1: Dynamics with Mike Sign. If you'd like Mike to perform a clinic out at your location, the way you do that is go to equinedynamics.com. At the top of the page says clinics. Fill out that little form Michael Pencil you in and schedule out there and he can come out to your event or your location and he's got a big old horse. Let me see that chicken leg you got over there.
0: There's a chicken leg.
1: There you go. Big old chicken leg right there. He's got a whole bunch of visuals that he can bring out to your location. And if you'd like Equine Dynamics to perform a live broadcast at your location, you can hit him up over there as well. And over to my far inside is Mike Stein. How are you? I'm doing okay. Just okay this time? I am magnificent. <laughs> I'm right. wonderful. And, I am spectacular. And joining us here in the studio is Sir Dr. Jared how are you?
3: I'm doing well. I like that. I keep getting uh, keep getting promoted to now I'm sir. I feel like <laughs> Elton John and I are on the right. same pedestal. Well,
1: it's about the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I'd say so. Get some flashy glasses, some yeah. beda- some bedazzled yeah. chaps,
3: and uh, some uh, you'd be set to go. I think Mike's got the bedazzled chaps. That's coming. He's
1: wearing. He wears. You'll be jealous. He's a, he wears those at his clinics. Believe it or not, and the only way you can see that is to sign Mike Stein to come out and do a clinic. He's got some chaps that's got like diamond embroideries and stuff on it. But it's really really hot. It's really cool. It really brings. Out his eyes. All right. So, what is your biggest challenges that you have, Jared, as far as being a farrier and uh, being a, a vet at the same time? And do you have like a do you have your own stable of, of people that you go see on a regular basis? Are you on like an as call needed? Like I'm always seeing the worst case scenarios. I'm always traveling, you know, to to New Jersey to Vermont. I don't know if you go to New Jersey or not. I just made that up. And to see all the worst cases, is that what your normal daily activity is, or do you have like a stable of horses that you see on a regular basis?
3: Oh, it's it's a bit of a mix. Um, similar to a more typical farrier, I do have my clients that I go see on a normal five-week, six-week rotation. Some of those are a mixture of podiatry or advanced shoeing. Um, if they're willing to pay my my prices. I'm happy to continue doing the work there. And a lot of those were carryover since before I went to veterinary school and I was their farrier prior to vet school, during vet school, after vet school. And then often it's going to be, you know, maybe Mike calls me up and says, hey, Jared, I got this bad laminitis case. Um, it's getting out of my wheelhouse and the vet's wheelhouse. Uh, we could use your expertise. And so then I'll I'll drive or fly. I'll go to, to the far reach of the of the galaxy and, and do that horse. And then it, the big question is, at what point can I hand it back to the practitioners? Because I don't want to take all the work and just keep it. I want to get that horse going, get it back to some. And there will be another case about right behind that. And that's the way it happens. And so, then, so sometimes that will be on my rotation for on my schedule for two rotations, three rotations, one years, two years. And then uh, we get to a point, and often I'll hand it back, and they, they'll take care of it. And then sometimes they need me to do a checkup on it. Um, every so often my rotation will be very consistent in some places and very changing and fluid in others
1: now do you when you travel i know you fly and stuff but do you travel like in a big rig like uh, mike does for like your local veterinarian stuff or because mike's yeah, got a I huge
3: have... old friggin tank out there yeah mine, mine's even bigger than mike because i have a lot more things to compensate for see so, yeah, i have a big dually 4500 with a trailer that Jesus! Uh, I carry as much stuff. You know, I some guys have the skill set where they can hand make a shoe right on the road. Um, I may be able to do that. But I do have the skill set. Just it would take me all darn day to do it, and <laughs> it wouldn't come out as pretty. So I carry probably a lot more inventory. About half of my rig is set up for the full veterinary side. If I have to, I can work up a colic. I try not to. Um, and then the other half is straight up farrier side with drill presses, grinders, welders, inventory, all that. So I, I need a fairly big, fairly big rig for that.
1: So we talked about uh, being a, a lost art form. You say, you know, you being able to forge. Mike forges all the time, and he's out here, you know, he's bending, he's got the hot thing going, and. <laughs> You know, he's banging and whatever on a regular steel horse. So, I mean, that's probably why your rig is a lot smaller, because Mike has told me many times that there are guys out there who can do it. They just it's a time effort. They don't have the I don't want to say skill set. I don't want to I don't want to diminish anything that you have. But no, I mean,
3: no. And, and it's funny. We talk about forging and I'm like, I don't I, I hot shoe everything. Everything goes in the forge. But most of mine's aluminum. Uh, I have a friend of mine back in Vermont who's an amazing she's fantastic in the forge and she almost despises aluminum and I'm like I' just I'm just not as tough I like to hit hit a little lo- a <laughs> little softer and uh, and I, aluminum just plays a lot better with uh with my me so
1: now in the future what is like the long goal of you because you're a young man I mean you're probably about my age you know we're both about 37 38 years old I thought you were 25 <laughs> yeah, sure. 25 26 years old uh, what is what is like the future that you see where do you you see like the veterinary medicine going and where do you see the farrier business going and how in the future do you see those two teaming
3: up? Oh, man, Travis, how long you got? How much time we got? Uh, 30 seconds. <laughs> <All right. laughs> no, I'm kidding. You got all the time you no, want. Yeah. I mean, that's a big topic. Uh, right now, some people may not know, but the equine veterinary medicine is starting to have a crisis with the amount of practitioners that are getting into the field versus the amount leaving. Uh, we lose about 50% of people who enter the field within the first five years.
0: I think the farrier field is kind of the same, running the same road.
1: And what's causing this, this uh,
3: abandonment? In the veterinary side? It is a hard damn job. Sometimes social media doesn't make it any better when you see somebody tearing apart a vet who's running ragged. I mean, it's you're always on call. You know, if you're not part of a big company or a practice where you get to share on call, you're always on call. And the money in small animal medicine is tends to be a lot better. That's so, one of those
0: things I could tell people. You know, I went to be a farrier because it was an easy life, right? Right. Yeah.
3: So you're talking about the abandonment
1: in, in the veterinary side. What about the farrier side? Why don't you, why don't you see people hanging around outside of the obvious? Like, Hey, I'm, I'm tired of like Brett Ingram. I'm tired of smashing my thumb every other week. Now, let me add to that question. Mike, you've got a helper and he's, and I asked the other day, where's your helper at? Cause you haven't talked about him. He's actually finishing up his schooling right, right. now. And, uh, so I was like, Oh my God, I thought the guy left. He's learning to smash his thumb. <laughs> right. So what are you seeing? Why are, why are farriers? Dr. Jared, why are farriers leaving the business after a short amount of time?
3: with as much as I travel, I don't, I'm not in the farrier community as much. The ones that I know have been in it and stayed in it. I think Mike can probably talk to well, more on you that, know, but I think it will be the same. It's, it's I a had, hard
0: life. I've had a couple of people approach me fussing about what's going on with farriers, and somebody has been in it, I said, well, part of the problem is, so back. At, let's go back to the 90s. And the percentage I used to keep in my pocket then was a lot bigger than it is now. Uh, I'm paying a mortgage payment and a good mortgage payment every month in diesel fuel. And he, yeah. I used to be able to get on, get away with you know, a few hundred dollars a month in fuel alone <laughs> plus the, you know, the the last couple of years our materials go up go up go up go up in fact like the nanorite catalog they haven't put a price in there because every time you go something's gone up on them and it goes up on us and then people are like my god you're going up on me again to do this what are you doing to us you don't you don't you get they have no idea what my operating expenses are and there's a lot of ferries younger than me that have gone to bought skid steers, bought a dump truck, bought a number of other things because they can turn more money with less abuse.
1: Do you think horse culture has, you know, the way it's involved has changed the way like your farriers and your vets approach a client or the horse or the the patient? Do you think just the way, you know, Uh like you, like uh, Jerry, you were talking about social media and stuff about getting all crazy, you know, with uh, uh, people bad-mouthing horses. I lost you for a bit. That's right. He's pretty lost. Oh, there you are. Did you hear my question?
0: I don't think he heard you. Hold on. There you go. There you go. (laughs) I got to bring Mike back. They didn't want me back. There we go. We'll just leave him right there.
3: Uh, Did you hear my question? Uh, I started to hear it, but then you got all all gobbledygook. Okay, so uh, as far as the horse culture
1: itself, do you think, like, social media and stuff has influenced the way uh, vets and farriers approach a client or a customer or the patient because there's there's so much like you were saying that that people were bad mouthing the fairs or vets on social media and stuff do you, do you feel that that has a whole lot the whole culture around the instant you know
3: i mean i'm probably the wrong person to ask since you've looked my social media presence is pretty darn uh low if anything that's usually because i just don't have the time or the dare i say the care to <laughs> to go that direction but i do think because now everything now just like uh Anything in life, there's a microphone and a camera on you at all times. You can no longer get away with what you used to. So I think having that part where you're always going to be in the public eye changes it, and somebody can always comment on it. And like it's the old adage, you know, it takes a thousand names to build you and only one name to, to drop you. When Mike was talking about uh, the price, the price difference, and how much you keep in your pocket, it's funny. I think back on my first farrier mentor that I worked with, and he used to say he would tri- set his trim prices by what it would cost to fill his fuel tank. And so, you know, he started back in the early 70s, and I'm sure it was a $5 trim. And then, obviously, it went up, and I remember I started, and it was like a $30 trim, and then a $60. And now I'm looking, I'm like, imagine with a 53-gallon tank on my diesel, if I could charge that much money for a trim. That would mm-hmm. be fantastic. Right. No kidding. Well,
0: that's like uh, back way back when I went to eight bucks on the trim, and people were, you're high because some people had ventured from five to six bucks. You just jumped straight to eight? You <laughs> sure did. I was pushing it. I was going to go to 10 next.
1: All right, guys, we're going to take a quick little break and come back and uh, do one more little segment and wrap up the show. You're listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He'll be right back.
2: There's nothing like a great cup of coffee. And Nautical Star Coffee, carry delicious coffee in their online store. It tastes amazing, and it's made fresh to order. Located in North Carolina, Nautical Star Coffee wants to be your go-to online coffee store. Like you, they were tired of the same old mediocre coffee that cost a fortune, but had little flavor to show for it. At Nautical Star Coffee, there's no minimum purchase required. Sometimes you just want one bag of coffee, and that's fine with them. Their coffee is roasted, bagged, and shipped at the time of your order to ensure freshness. they search for the best coffee blends from honduras colombia and costa rica to give you the greatest cup of coffee they're also veteran owned and operated and truly value your coffee needs if you want the coffee labeled with your own logo let them know they can do that for you perfect for restaurants that want to have their own coffee brand and great for your local company or small business too start shopping right now at nauticalstarcoffee.com that's nauticalstarcoffee.com
1: Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein, the number one podcast to create sound of horses from the ground up. Make sure you follow Mike Stein over on his new Facebook page. Uh, The way you do that is search Equine Dynamics Mike Stein. You got a picture of Mike standing out in front of his big old tank like this. Hi, I'm Mike Stein. And he's got uh, the logo of the podcast on his picture. What? Were you going to say something? I do No, you got that look on your face like you're going to say something. No. And if you want to see the look on Mike's face, go over to YouTube. Make sure you like and subscribe over there. And for every podcast we do, we have a matching video. You can see all the visuals here in the studio. And joining us here in the studio as well is Dr. Jared Polin. How are you? I'm well. Now, tell us a little bit more what you, what you feel that the, the industry is going towards and,
3: and what do you see in the future? I think we kind of touched on, you know, the vets are getting harder to come by. farriers are getting harder to come by. And we talked about the price of fuel and everything. And I think to tie it all together and how hard the business is, I think it's all going to come together. And also you were asking me what my goal is. And I would say it's going to have to be a referral hospital where I set up shop where farriers are happy to come or a farrier has their own shop. And we get off the road a bit and people start trailering their horse to us when you have a supply and demand curve that's getting offset like that. Um,
1: when you say that, I picture the only way I can uh, uh, associate that is like someone who owns like a hair salon and they, they rent the chairs out to the you know the barber or whatever the hair stylist and stuff. Is that what you're looking for? Like you'll have this huge building and you'll rent out the
3: stalls to farriers and then the, the people who have horses can bring the, the horses to those stalls? I think that is a good business model. I was talking more selfishly. My personal <laughs> shop the people bring their horses to me and I work on them because I'm just tired of driving up and down the road and I think the, the quality of medicine and the quality of ferriery would be increased when uh, you're at your home shop with good lighting, with hopefully climate controlled, with your all the stuff you need, all your tools and tricks, rather than working out of a pickup truck with questionable electricity, with the fan blowing on you when you're doing your surgery. I think it's also just talks to the efficiency of the business. You know, often my day is: I get to the client, I work, and then you know, I work. Maybe I go to three more clients, and then at six o'clock at night, when everyone else is hopefully home enjoying uh, their meal, I drive for four hours where I'm going for the next day.
1: Well, after the show, me and you will team up together. and We'll work out some kind of business plan for that kind of model and figure out the best location I'm, and the best building. I'm absolutely,
3: be. <laughs> I'm absolutely game. Here, I was planning on just letting farriers come and use the spot because I've been in their shoes and, and it'd be good for everything. But I like. The, I like the monetizing part.
1: So uh, you are part owner
3: of a – what is the name of the, the website that you are part of, the dot-com? Horsescience.com. Horsescience.com. horse science Anatomy Works. the And I'm waiting for, like, some lawyer to n- tap on my shoulder and saying, you're not quite right. But we like to joke and say it is the world's largest equine cadaver limb preservation company in the in the world. So
1: you could say that because if you're the only one, technically, aren't you the
3: largest that's what it, that's what we feel. You know, it's owned by myself, uh, Dr. Sammy Pittman, another vet farrier, and Caleb a uh, uh, farrier, podiatrist. And we we've got we bought the company a few years ago from Allie Hayes, who's just a wonderful, wonderful farrier. And uh, she kind of took the company, and built it up where she free we end up preserving legs for anatomy specimens and teaching purposes. I think Mike probably has a few.
0: Yes, I do. Yes, I do.
3: And how long how long you've been doing this? We've been doing this for, we bought it from Ali just about a, a year, maybe going on two years ago. And I'm
1: assuming since you're the only one, it's a huge demand. So do you work with like a lot of universities and a lot of um, outside entities such as that?
3: Yeah, we get a lot of calls from universities. A lot of sole practitioners are just looking for something to bring their client and show them. Um, we do some custom work where, say, your horse or a case you're working on has something really interesting to show. You can ship it to us and go that direction, but... uh right now you know we're also full time practitioners and we're trying to do this on the side and if anyone wants to uh, give us a hand we're always looking to hire cuz it's a lot of work and we're trying to keep everything going so if you uh, if you do call us or email us just bug the heck out of us sometimes I'm the one running the email and I can be way behind on that. So uh, we're trying to get to everyone and keep our inventory up. Tell our listeners how the, how can they find
1: you and where, where are all the avenues where they can get connected with you?
3: Uh, probably the best place you'll find is uh, either on Facebook with the Horse Science Anatomy Works webpage on Facebook or horsescience.com. You can submit an email there and I'll promise I'll eventually get to it. That's what I'm going to do this afternoon is fire back a lot of those. If you're looking for to talk to me with Podiatry Straight, you can go to JP Hoofworks. Uh, www.jphoofworks.com and uh, you'll get in touch with me through that. I'm sure I barely ever update it, but I'm sure there's some way to contact me on there. All
1: right, Mike, anything else you want to add?
0: I think he covers it pretty good. I'm just hoping one day I can get to a level of having some skills in the podiatry area.
1: Well, we'd like to thank Dr. Jared Pullen, a doctor of veterinary medicine, for joining us this week on Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. We appreciate you and all your information. Thanks for having me. On behalf of Mike Stein over there.
0: Have a good one. Thank you. Thank you.
1: My name is Travis Singh. See you next week.
2: All of the doggies are in the corral. All of your work is done.
0: Just close your eyes and dream, little
2: pal, dream of some.